You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. Um, yeah, so uh, like Chris said, uh, Meg and I have actually been going to the church for almost four years now. Um, and funny story, so we're originally from uh, Maryland, from the Baltimore area, all the way on the East Coast. And when we first moved out here, we actually left our home in Baltimore on our one-year wedding anniversary. And coming up this Thursday is actually our five-year wedding anniversary. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so God, God has been really good to us and, uh, yeah, really blessed us. Uh, putting us here. So, uh, like Riz said, today is our first week in the book of Proverbs, our new series. And today I'm going to be giving kind of an overview of the series and also of the whole book. And my goal is to set our heads in our hearts in the right space and in the right place to prepare us for the rest of the series. And I also want to set kind of some guidelines or some guideposts to follow as uh, you're reading Proverbs at home or as we're going through the rest of the series. And rather than going like chapter by chapter, verse by verse through Proverbs, we're actually going to do more topical. So we're going to address things like money, humility, work ethic, speech, relationships. Proverbs has a lot to say on all of these topics. And we're going to kind of pick the Proverbs that talk about each one of those things, and that'll be a sermon each week. So uh, I'm really excited, and I think it's going to be really good, and the Lord's going to speak to us. So believe it or not, you probably know a lot of Proverbs already. For example, if I said, two wrongs don't make a right, or measure twice, cut once, or the early bird gets the worm, those are all examples of Proverbs, because a proverb is just a short little saying that tries to convey some deeper meaning. So, for example, measure twice, cut once. It's only four words, right? But it holds a lot of meaning. And it teaches us the lesson that before we do something that we can't, you know, take back, we should take time to really think about, is this what we really want to do? But all of that value, all that meaning is wrapped up into just four little words that, you know, we all kind of remember and we all just know. So let me give you some more examples from uh, different times and different cultures. Here's one from Confucius. He said, real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. One from Socrates. Sometimes you have to let go to see if there is anything worth holding on to. Here's one from Mark Twain. Politicians and diapers must be changed often and for the same reason. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. So uh, the biblical book of Proverbs is full of these sorts of sayings. They're meant to be short and memorable and to convey a greater truth. And this book of Proverbs that we're going to be going through is mostly attributed to Solomon, who was a king in ancient Israel. And he was known to be extremely wise. And this is basically just a collection of a lot of his sayings. And chapters 1 through 9 are kind of these longer speeches that he's giving to uh, his son. And then chapters 10 through 30 are all just these short little proverbs, one after another, one after another. 
So now let's see some examples of Proverbs from the Bible. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. And one of my personal favorites, a loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. If you know me, I'm not much of a morning person, so that one really uh, hits home for me. So that's, this is some of ancient Israel's collection of Proverbs. So if Proverbs aren't unique to Israel, if people were saying them before and people said them after, then why is this so important? Why are these specific Proverbs in our, in our Bible? And why are we taking the time to study them? Aren't they just, you know, a bunch of old sayings? We all want to live lives that are full of hope and are full of joy and lives that give us purpose, lives that give us meaning and satisfaction. And what we have in the book of Proverbs is wisdom for how to live that life. And it's not just coming from anyone. It's inspired by God, the one who made us and the one who knows how we as humans are made to operate. So by studying and learning from this book, we can come to use it as our guide to living the good life. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this group of people. Thank you even for this building that uh, we're able to meet in. Even that, Lord, you have just blessed and provided more than uh, we could have ever imagined. And pray that uh, you would speak through me today and that you would show us the wisdom that you have for us, and that throughout this series, we will be able to apply it to our lives and be better followers of you and to live the joyful and fulfilled lives that you want for us. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for coming and dying for us and making all of that possible. Be with us, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Okay, so the book itself actually has its own little short introduction and a kind of mission statement. So we're going to start with that. It's Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. If you have your Bible, uh, you can take it out. We also have Bibles over here on the side table. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, uh, feel free to grab one. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, that the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So as I go through today, I have a couple application points that'll be up on the screen. Uh, if you can, write these down, even if it's in your phone. I think those would be good to remember as good sort of 
guidelines as we go through this series, and they'll help us to uh, get the most out of Proverbs. So first one, biblical wisdom is about how you live your life, not just head knowledge. So uh, we see in verse 2, the, the first thing it says, what is Proverbs for? For gaining wisdom. And this word wisdom or the idea of being wise is going to come up a lot. It's all through Proverbs. But what does that even mean? Today we might think of someone who is wise or has wisdom as someone who is smart. Like someone who is wise would be good at Jeopardy or something. But the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. And it refers not just to sort of your mental activity, but it also refers to action. So when you see the word wisdom, think skill or think sort of applied knowledge. For example, in ancient Israel, the people who were said to have chokmah, to have wisdom, were actually craftsmen, people who were sculptors or architects or people who made the ornate garments for the priests. They were said to have wisdom because not only did they know how to do these things, but they could actually do it. Their wisdom actually produced something. So we can see that, you know, it's about carrying out what you know. Let me give you another, another example. Uh, for anyone that knows me, you know that I've been super into golf recently. And I know in my head how to be good at golf. You just hit the ball straight, you hit it far, and you hit it in the hole in as little strokes as possible. Easy. But, you know, that doesn't help me. When I'm standing there and I know I got to hit the ball straight, that, that doesn't do me any good, right? Because I cannot do it consistently. I am not wise in golf. Because what matters is actually having the skill to be able to do something, not just knowing sort of what you need to do. And this is actually a really good thing because by learning from Proverbs, we're not just going to, you know, get... Oh, my back? Okay, there you go. We're not just going to get smarter. We're going to learn a practical set of skills that's going to help us in our day-to-day -day lives. So, moving on to verses 3 through 6. I'm just going to read them again. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and understand and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So what is Proverbs going to do? It's going to teach us. It's going to teach us things. It's going to teach us how to live righteously. It's going to teach us how to be just. It's going to teach us how to be fair to others. And another thing I want to point out uh, is this is for everyone. So we see in verse 4 that it's for the young and also what this is calling the simple. But it's also for the wise. It's also for people who already have understanding. So whether this is your first time ever in a church, you've never even opened a Bible before, awesome. Proverbs is for you and it has wisdom to teach you. And if you've been going to church your whole life and you've been studying the Bible for decades, fantastic. Proverbs has wisdom 
for you. So as we're going through this series, don't feel like, oh, I don't know, this isn't for me. It is, no matter who you are, no matter what stage in life you're in. Another thing I want to point out from these verses is the purpose of Proverbs is for us to learn, to, to gain understanding, to become wiser. It's trying to teach us lessons. So that brings me to my second point. Proverbs teaches us principles. It does not give us promises. It provides wisdom, not prophecy. And this is a really important point, because if we approach Proverbs in the, in the wrong way, it can really lead to a lot of heartbreak. So let me give you an example of, of what I'm talking about here. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Direct your child onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, on the surface, this kind of seems like a promise, right? If we train our children to do the right things, then they will do the right things when they're older. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it's a very good and it's a very right thing to raise children in order to love and follow Jesus. And in doing that, you give them the best chance to do that as an adult. But it's not always the case. Sometimes for no fault or for lack of diligence from parents, children who are raised in good Christian homes turn away from God as adults. Now, does that mean that Proverbs is wrong or that the Bible is false? No, because remember, Proverbs is teaching us lessons on how to live wisely. It's not giving us guarantees. And remember also, Proverbs are supposed to be short, memorable little things that we can remember and pull from. So they don't have the space to kind of cover every situation or every possible contingency. And that doesn't mean the proverb's wrong. It just means the proverb isn't about prediction. Think about uh, the early bird gets the worm. If we were to take that saying and say, okay, well, if the early bird gets the worm, then I just need to show up to my job at three in the morning every day, and I don't really have to do anything else, I can just coast because I'm there earlier than everyone else. Right? That's, that's not what that means. It's not a prediction that if you get there before everyone else, you're always going to get the best thing. It's trying to teach us, you know, a lesson that if we value something, then it's good to, you know, be there early and be intentional with our actions with that thing. And this nuance of, of Proverbs is a really important thing to remember. Because, again, we can get really discouraged if we feel like we're reading all of these Proverbs and, you know, God's promises aren't being fulfilled. And if we feel that way, in, if we feel that way, in reality, you know, they weren't promises in the first place. And we've misused the intended purpose of the proverb. So, Proverbs teaches us principles. It does not give us promises. It provides wisdom, not prophecy. Okay, let's move on to the last verse of our section for today. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, 
many of the Proverbs that you'll see throughout the book are set up as a contrast, as a wise option and a foolish option. And you can see that verse 7 presents us with a contrast. We can fear the Lord, we can respect and honor Him, and by doing that, we, will, we can begin to have knowledge. But on the other hand, we can reject wisdom, we can inject instruction, and the result, the consequence of that, is that we become foolish. And sitting with each, within each of these contrasts is a choice. Are we going to choose the wise option? Are we going to choose to fear and to follow God? Or are we going to choose the foolish option to reject wisdom and instruction? And this idea of a choice actually isn't unique to Proverbs. It actually runs throughout the whole Bible. And if you, if you hang with me, I want to go look at the first choice that occurs in the Bible all the way back in Genesis. And I think this is going to give us a better understanding of the choices that we're faced with, faced with in Proverbs and give us more insight as to what Proverbs is, is trying to teach and tell us. So, the first choice. We've got to go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 1, God creates the whole earth and everything in it. And he also creates Adam and Eve, the first human couple. And he takes Adam and Eve and he puts them in this garden called the Garden of Eden. And in this garden, there's all kinds of these beautiful fruit trees and there's rivers and it's just this lush, beautiful place. But in that garden also we're told there's two specific trees. There's the tree of life and there's the tree of knowing good and bad. And God tells Adam and Eve, do not eat from this tree of knowing good and bad. And if you do, the consequence is death. So Adam and Eve are living in the garden, and then this snake comes, and he's kind of the shady character. We're not really told much about him. But he's trying to uh, tempt Eve into eating this fruit. He's trying to convince her to eat this fruit that God told her not to eat from. So that's where we're, that's where we're going to pick it up kind of in the middle of this, where this snake is trying to convince Eve to eat of, of this tree, of the tree of knowing good and bad. So, Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, and this is, again, the snake talking, talking to Eve. For God knows that when you eat from it, that is the tree, the forbidden tree, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and bad. When the woman saw that the, that the tree of life, sorry, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So what's going on here? What was Adam and Eve's motivation? Why did they disobey God's commandment? Well, we can see from what the, the snake is tempting them with, they wanted to be like God. 
And what does that mean? They wanted to know good and bad. They wanted to gain wisdom. And on the surface, that might not seem like a bad thing. But if we look a little closer, we can see that Adam and Eve already could tell what was good and bad because Eve looks at the tree and sees that it's good, right? It's not like Adam and Eve were walking around and everything was gray and just neutral and meh and there was no good and bad. No, they, they could see it already. And we, can, we know that because Eve saw, Eve saw that the tree was good. So what's really going on here? Because God had already given them a level of discernment. God had already given them his wisdom. So what were they really wanting? What they really wanted was to decide what was good and bad and right and wrong for themselves. They wanted to be like God, and they wanted to be the ones who said what they could and couldn't do. They wanted knowledge, right? Knowledge of good and bad. Uh, But going back to Proverbs 1, verse 7, what does knowledge start with? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If they did fear God, they wouldn't have eaten from the tree. If they actually respected God and wanted to follow him, then they would have obeyed his commandments. And interesting, the second half of Proverbs 1, 7 what do, fools do? what do fools do? They despise wisdom and instruction. So if we look at the choice Adam and Eve had, they chose to not fear God and instead to reject his instruction and his commandment. And they did that to try and gain wisdom and knowledge for themselves. But ironically, what does Proverbs 1-7 tell us? They became fools. And ultimately, because of their disobedience, God kicked them out of the garden and away from the tree of life. So how does that connect to Proverbs? I want to read uh, some sections of Proverbs chapter 3 and see as I read this if you can see anything that stands out or maybe connects to that story in Genesis. Kind of underlined some of it, so there's a little cheat sheet for you. This is Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So can you kind of see our Genesis story in these verses? The the author actually explicitly refers to Genesis when he says that, that wisdom is like a tree of life. He's referring to the tree of life back in the Garden of Eden. And if Adam and Eve had trusted God and listened to him, they would have had the tree of life. They would have been in the garden uh, forever. Uh, If you're like me, 
you've probably wondered, you know, what was the tree of life like? What was it like to eat the fruit of the tree of life? You know, how amazing would that, must that have been? But we're told here that we can have the tree of life. We can have the tree of life, and we can do that by making the right choice, by choosing God's wisdom instead of our own. Again, we have a contrast, right? We can choose our own wisdom, our own path, which is like eating from the forbidden tree, and that ultimately leads to death. Or we can choose to trust and follow God's wisdom and instruction. We can fear the Lord, and that's like eating from the tree of life. So you can see the Garden of Eden isn't just about fruit, right? It's about trusting in God rather than trusting in ourselves and what we say is right. And that choice is just as much for us today as it was for Adam and Eve then. And similarly, Proverbs is not just a collection of sayings. It's wisdom from God that shows us how to choose life rather than relying on ourselves and not fearing God, which ultimately leads to death. So, third application point to kind of summarize all that stuff. We have a choice. God's wisdom, which leads to true life, or our own wisdom, which ultimately leads to death. And Proverbs is showing us what these two choices look like and how they play out in our lives. And it implores us to choose life. Now, this is pretty countercultural. We're told by Instagram, by TikTok, and even by Disney to follow our hearts or to speak our truth or to live our truth. That's kind of a conventional wisdom of our time. But the Bible says that that isn't wisdom. That's actually foolishness. And it's not just Proverbs that says that. Jesus also says this. Listen to what Jesus says. This is in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But the gate is small, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Central to the message and teaching of Jesus is that there is only one choice that is correct. There is only one way to life. There's only one way that's wise. There's only one way that leads to life, and that's through Him. And the reason the world is in the messed up state that it's in is because of people, you and I included, following our own heart, following our own truth, trying to define for ourselves what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, rather than relying on God. So, how do we choose the right path? Well, again, back to Proverbs 1-7, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Rather than elevating ourselves as the ones who know best, we need to acknowledge our position before God. I am a flawed, sinful human. If I can't first stop and recognize God's greatness 
His righteousness, His holiness, the fact that He created me and created the whole world. And on the flip side, I can't acknowledge my own frailty, my own foolishness, then I can't even begin to learn wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that brings me to my, my last point for today. Proverbs only has power through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So as I'm going through these things, you might think, oh, okay, well, Proverbs is just, just going to tell me uh, the right choices to make, and if I choose those things, then I'll be all good. And it's not that simple. <laughs> Proverbs aren't just a set of, you know, rules that will lead us to heaven somehow. Just like Proverbs aren't prophecy, like we learned earlier, they're also not this set of laws or regulations that are going to somehow make us perfect and make us holy before God. And, you know, even if that were true, we cannot even begin to live out all of the wisdom in these Proverbs. We all fall so short of God's standard of righteousness. We all face our own Garden of Eden choice, test, every day. And maybe today you'll choose the tree of life, maybe tomorrow, but at some point later this week you're going to choose the wrong thing. And we've all chosen the wrong thing in the past. We're all going to fail in that test. But the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that if we believe that he died for our sins and that he rose again from the dead, defeating sin and death, then we can share in his life. Jesus did make the right choice. He fully lived his life by God's wisdom and by God's commands. And he died and he rose again, and he says that when we believe and have faith in him, that our sins are forgiven. Even if we've taken from the forbidden tree countless times, we get to now partake in the tree of life through Jesus. He made a way for us to be right with God, and it doesn't require us to be perfect, it requires us to have faith. Because our problem is a lot deeper than just, oh, sometimes we're, we make a foolish choice. Oh, look at us, we're little fools. Now, it's, it's much deeper than that. It's not just we do choose the wrong thing, we can't choose the right thing. We are incapable of living our lives righteously before God. And a lot of times, even when we know what the right and wrong choice is, we still make the wrong choice. We do things that bring death into our lives instead of life. So, you know, in that sense, Proverbs aren't much use to us because we're so flawed that ultimately we're just going to revert back to the same destructive pattern of Adam and Eve, so what's the point? But when we believe in Jesus, when we accept his salvation, we're changed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
We've titled this series, A Guide to Living the Good Life. Through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit in us, we now have uh, real power in these Proverbs. They have real meaning to us now because we've been transformed into the people who actually can choose God's wisdom instead of our own. We actually now can live the way we were created to live. And Proverbs is giving us practical instruction for what, for what living that life looks like. So I want to look at one specific proverb as an example and kind of walk through those four steps that we've given or that I've given today, and hopefully that'll help everything kind of come together. So we're going to look at uh, Proverbs 1430. It's at the top of the screen there, and I've also kind of put those four points, and we're going to walk through Proverbs 1430 with these four points. So a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So how do we read this? How do we apply this? Well, let's look at the first point. Biblical wisdom is about how you live your life, not just head knowledge. So this should be kind of self-explanatory for this verse, right? Just knowing it, that our hearts should have peace and that we shouldn't be jealous of anyone, that doesn't do us any good, right? Uh, the whole wisdom of this verse entirely hinges on our ability to actually you know, live it out. So number two, this proverb is teaching us a principle. It's not giving us a promise or a prophecy. This proverb isn't about physical health in like the medical sense. It's not like envy is some sort of bacteria that gets into your bones or that peace is like a superfood that you could put in your smoothie, right? It's not talking about that. It's talking about our hearts. It's talking about our mental and spiritual state. And if our hearts are at peace, we're going to live much better, much more fulfilled and joyful lives. And our spiritual health is, is going to skyrocket. But on the flip side, right, the contrast, if we live lives of constant envy and jealousy, it's going to slowly eat away at us until one day we're just a rotted shell of the person we once were. And that's the principle behind the proverb. Number three, we have a choice. God's wisdom, which leads to true life, or our own wisdom, which ultimately leads to death. Again, pretty evident in these verses, right? On the one hand, we can, have, we can choose to have peace in our hearts, and that gives us life and health. And on the other hand, we can choose to live lives of jealousy and envy, and that's going to rot our bones. So the message of this Proverbs is simple. Just choose to have peace in your heart and don't be jealous. No problem. Obviously, that's not something we can just choose to do. We can't just not be jealous of our own strength. But the problem is, is that if we do continue to be jealous, it's going to rot our bones. It's going to be as bad for us as if, like, we were deteriorating. But that brings us to point number four, right? Proverbs only have power through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. 
through the salvation that we have in Jesus, we don't have to be jealous of anyone or anything anymore because our sins have been forgiven. We have been given eternal life in the presence of God, and there is nothing in this world that can come even close to that gift. Jesus tells us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Jesus gives us peace in our hearts. And through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we don't have to let jealousy and fear rule over us anymore. We have the power to replace the envy in our hearts with peace. And when we do that, it gives us life. When we do that, we're living the good life. Biblical wisdom and instruction found in Proverbs is kind of like getting a look at the owner's manual for humans. God is the one who made us. He's the one that designed us. So when he tells us how to live, odds are it's going to turn out a whole lot better than if we just do what we think is right. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we all want to live good, happy, satisfying lives. And the wisdom found in Proverbs is how we get there. Throughout this series, uh, we're going to learn about what it teaches us about our speech, about money, about relationships, work, parenting, honesty, integrity, justice, humility, emotion, and more. And as we go through and we learn about these things, remember, it's, it's far more than just some advice. It's teaching us how to handle these things in a way which is honoring to God. And not only that, it's going to provide us with blessing and life instead of pain and death. We have been given the power through Jesus to live how we were created to live. And Proverbs shows us how to live that life. Uh, If the worship team, you guys want to come back up. If you don't know Jesus, if you want to live this good life, but uh, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior and confessed your sins to Him, please come talk to me. Go talk to Riz in the back. Talk to the person that brought you here today. Because when you do, that's how you can live the good life. We We also have communion on the sides here. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I would really encourage you to take communion, because what it does is it reminds us of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus paid for us so that we can have life instead of death. I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, get back into worship. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you saw that we were we make the wrong choice. And that because we try and do things of ourselves, we've just been uh, living in, in death. Thank you that you are willing to come and sacrifice yourself and die, even though you didn't deserve it, so that we could be brought back to your presence, so that we could have life again. I pray over this series, Father, I pray that we would be open to your wisdom, that we would choose the life that you have for us, 
and that through your spirit, we would have the power to actually live it out in our lives. Thank you, Father, for all you are. Thank you that you are holy. Thank you that you love us so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.